but it involved a 14-year-old boy in Massachusetts, um, and he ate this. Uh, I guess he was at school at the time, went to the school health, um, uh, to the nurse, and they sent him home rather than calling um, the hospital, and then he was found unconscious shortly thereafter and died. So you know, I don't, there's no indication that the autopsy report has been released yet. Um, and so we don't know if it's... Seems like a little bit of a stretch to immediately kind of blame it on the chip here. I mean, uh, all right. And it makes sense for them not to call the ambulance. I mean, like I said, right, your, your first guess isn't going to be like, okay, he <laughs> ate a chip. He's, his life it's is miserable, at risk but here. Yeah. You know, he's miserable, exactly, but his life isn't at risk. Um, and then he's found unconscious and there's no, you know, there's no autopsy. There's no direct connection yet. Had the parents picked him up and found him unconscious at home or did they just like leave him on the, the bed in the infirmary? Uh, no, well, he was home, and then the brother found him passed out. He was taken to the hospital and then pronounced dead. Wow. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing pro Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back. Another week, another show. Welcome to Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases. Uh, back at it. Another week, another show. Uh, we know you went out of town. We discussed it last week. You went out of town this weekend. How, how was that? How was your trip? It was great. It was really fabulous. Um, in fact, I left. So we recorded last Wednesday and then I was up at 3.30 in the morning and gone on Thursday and I just got back last night. So I've been gone like the entire time between shows. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Did it, did it feel like you just kind of like blinked and then all of a sudden you're back here at the show? Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I figure if I'm here, I'm doing the show. Otherwise I'm someplace else having fun. And I so. saw, I saw a few pictures. I saw that you guys had your uh, table for the book club. We did. We uh, did. And then I saw pictures of lobster as well. <laughs> I was in Maine. Yeah. Maine is like known for lobsters. Is it? Is that like the hot spot? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the best lobsters. And so I had lobsters, well, the, just the full lobster, like they pull it out of the, the ocean yeah. and they I saw. steam it up. It and, looked a little yeah. bland. It looked like they just didn't even like season it. They just kind of threw it in some warm water, gave it a nice warm <laughs> bath and then threw it on your plate. You don't need to season lobster. It's fabulous. Uh, so, well, one night, so two nights I had like the full on whole lobster bodies. Yeah. And I'm telling you, they're like serious business in Maine. I mean, they know how to do their lobster thing because, you know, when you get lobsters here in Arizona, I mean, we're not really, you know, lobster experts or anything, obviously being landlocked. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're like nicely cracked at least. So even if you get the full shell there's like little slices that it's really easy to get into not so in Maine it's just like the whole thing but they do give you like little directions oh so, so they gotta like give you a little pamphlet on how to eat uh -huh. eat your food well lobsters I mean it's not like you know just fork and put food well I mean I, yeah <laughs> and I I'm used to the Arizona way where they just yeah. kind of give make it, it to easy you. For make you. it easy yeah which I love I love I don't like to work for my food except for crab crab it's good enough to where I'm willing to work for yeah. it Part of the whole experience. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Well, and then getting to put on the lobster bib is part of that experience as well. Oh, Although, of course. man, it does, you, you just do get messy. It does it. So, yeah. It just happens regardless. Pretty much, pretty much. But so I had the lobster, the full-on lobster full bodies twice, and then I had like a really fabulous lobster pasta one mm. night. So. Do you have any crab cake? I know you're a big... 
No, I mean, that's like more of a Maryland thing or even California, but Maine is lobster. I just had to do all the lobster I could possibly do. Fun fact, lobster and like shrimp and crab used to be food for peasants way back in the day. It was considered uh, peasant food because it's like crustaceans. Mm-hmm. It's like the rats. Oh, like, like bottom dwellers. The bottom yeah. dwellers, bottom feeders of the ocean. And then just slowly through society, we've slowly kind of like swapped it out to where it's more of an upper class, expensive level of food. Well, I have to say that I have like a certain affinity for crabs and shrimp and, and lobsters because having, as an attorney, been called one time in court a scum-sucking bottom feeder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I kind of can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, I'm a I'm a big uh, crab fan. We recently been found, we found juicy crawfish, which is um, a seafood broil place in. It's like a it's in Tempe ish area, and it's like in the Asian part of town where there's a bunch of Asian supermarkets and just stores, and it's like a Asian twist on um, or a Korean twist, I guess, on just like seafood broil. Uh-huh. and we get pounds of food. It's fantastic. We like going on Friday where we have plenty of time. We just sit up. We set up camp, essentially. <laughs> I got the bibs. Get a few pounds of food and just down it all. So this is one of those where it comes like in the bag where they yeah. – and then they have – and you can have different seasonings, so mm-hmm. it's not bland. I obviously exactly. don't want Well, that's what I'm saying is when I saw it in the picture, it just looked like just like a pale lobster that was – you know, thrown in a bath, thrown on the plate. When I get seafood at this place, I mean, it is, you can't even see the shell. There's such a thick layer of seasoning. Oh, okay. Well, lobster just in its pure form is just fabulous though. It's just, you know, I don't even dip it in butter. I see. I mean, I I get that, but I, I also don't understand like what makes lobster even better because lobster is lobster. Like it's, well, you haven't had Maine lobster I've, fresh off the boat. I haven't have not, fresh so. off the boat. I'm telling you. Well, it sounds like a good trip overall. Uh, yeah, how did how did the table go with the book club? It was good. It was very good. Um, got some good. Uh, we had a little selfie um, frame and talked to a lot of people. And um, our author for the next month was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think it was good. Yeah. I, think, I don't know if, I'm not sure if anybody signed up yet, but we passed out bookmarks with the QR code to join um, a couple of leads on um, some groups of people who might be interested. Mm-hmm. So I know. Did anyone fun. recognize you? Oh my gosh, that's Sarah, that's Sarah. Can I get a picture? Well, of course, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't go down the hall without someone pulling you aside. Um, yeah. Maybe not famous, but infamous. Uh, uh, not really. But, well, I mean, I've been to this event. Um, it, I mean, it's in different cities, but I've been to the event multiple times. So, in fact, I've been to all of them except one. So, I'm kind mm-hmm. of a regular. So, I guess I should be. Somewhere. And how did the ecstatic dancing go? Oh, yes. Okay. So, the ecstatic dance was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know what it was, but now um, I'm familiar with the whole concept. You've been and educated. I've been educated. I've actually experienced it. And I will have you know, I did not sit on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. You're as, ecstatic. As you expected. I don't know if I would quite say I rose to the level of ecstatic. Okay. But... Well, then you didn't do it right because this is ecstatic <laughs> dancing. I tried. I tried to get into it. So, but it's kind of interesting. And the um, couple that put it on um, were very interesting sort, um, definitely on the woo side. 
Um, and so basically what it was is, is there's this whole playlist mm-hmm. and it progresses. So it starts off very relaxing and low key and you're supposed to just kind of sway and start to get into the feel of the music. Okay. And then it kind of gets, you know, up higher, you know, the, yeah. the stronger beat and a little bit louder. And, um, and then of course it will get to the point where it's, you know, ecstatic. Heavy dubstep. <laughs> Just like that. Not exactly. Okay. And a lot of it was kind of like tribal music and it was like, it wasn't like music that you actually knew or even a lot of it didn't have yeah. words to um, it. Uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. It was like that or something. Some of it was like that. So okay. kind of chanty yeah. stuff and then just kind of like the drum stuff. But it was, I mean, it, it was interesting. And then like, and then they kind of wound down. Um, but the, they were, and then they threw in like a journey song and some, you know, just some, some, some classic songs that you know and people were jumping around singing to yeah after all the tribal and no that's uh, that makes sense i mean kind of ease people in it you know let them kind of let their walls down let their guard down and then you put some sing-alongs in there party in the usa that's a classic (laughs) we always threw that one on in college everyone loved it um shake that by eminem he that and uh who i don't know who the other person is that's big uh, so I'm, I'm assuming they probably didn't do those, but Journey, Journey is classic yeah, as well. Journey is classic for more of our age range. Yeah, but um, it was it was good. It was really long though, and it didn't start till kind of late, and it was on Friday night, you know. And we're not the youngest of <laughs> of ecstatic dancers, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it just went on for a really long time, and then they want like to sit in a circle and kind of decompress and talk about things. But okay, but, that's but, just a little, it's a little much. Yeah, it was you would not have handled that part well, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Well, and even though, it was, and so the guy, the guy who was leading it, he was the the the, the, the keynote who went a little rogue on the keynote later on. Rogue. Yeah, they went a little rogue. Okay, well, let's get through this, and I'm curious how he went rogue. <laughs> anyway, um, but anyway, but so he was kind of like talking about you know feel it, and if you cry, and if you you know let your emotions out, and so that part, I was like, I thought I was just gonna kind of go, go dance and have a good time. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't mean, into like you know fully emoting and all of that kind of stuff. And, I think that's what most people thought. Most people yeah. thought that when you read ecstatic dancing, you don't think, wow, I might cry at this event. I'm gonna have to really let loose and let my demons come out. Yeah, he wanted demons out. He wanted okay. demons to be exercised. Yeah, just all so, over the room. Yeah, yeah. dancing him out. Messy. Uh, <laughs> and so you said he went rogue at the keynote. Love to hear how. Huh. Well, so it was this event for um, so for for women all around the country who want to socialize and um, enjoy like a weekend um, alcohol free. Um, and so the keynote speakers were there. They own a bottle shop in Houston, um, so an, an alcohol-free bottle shop. Okay. They sell, sell you know, al- like al- wine or is well, it hard al- liquor, whiskey? Well, that's- only alcohol- alcohol-free. Versions. Yeah, I know, but yes. it is yeah. It so the, liquor, the, the that's spirits or the wines, um, the beers, um, and then there's a, a lot of companies that have like kind of mixed drinks that are canned that are alcohol free. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what their business was. But they actually ended up talking a lot about, and I'm making air quotes if you're not watching a video, plant medicine. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of... So not very sober of them. Well, they actually, then they clarified and they said, we don't consider ourselves sober. We consider ourselves alcohol free. Oh, well, like, that's, that's an important distinction there. Well, it, it's, it is a valid distinction, but I think that um, for this event and the audience were, you know, women on the, you know, generally 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. Um, and maybe not quite the right 
target audience for the, what yeah. they were talking about. I mean, a lot of psilocybin and peyote and oh, wow. yeah, and trips to exercise oh, wow. issues and mushrooms and sh- yeah. Oh, yeah, shrooms, as they shrooms, said. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, I wouldn't imagine you know the forty to fifty women range plus. being yeah plus being kind of the target audience, as you said. Or being or like, yeah, no, it was not. It, was, it fell a little flat. Yeah. Um, Were people like looking around? Well, actually, the the kind of funny part about it is that that the event you took a ferry to go to this island where Jeez. the event was being held. It was beautiful weather, and I mean, man, the weather was crappy the night before, and then it was rainy the next day. So we really lucked out with the yeah. weather. It was just gorgeous, um, beautiful uh, uh, sunset um, over the water. Everything, the food, everything was 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 fabulous. Um, the keynotes were just a little, um, a little off the mark. So, um, but but you had to take the ferry to go back, and they also decided that they needed a little bit more time than was planned for their talk. Ooh. And so one of the ferries was going to leave at about you know two thirds of the way through their talk, and I, about seventy five percent of the people just jumped up and like ran for the ferry. It was kind of like, oh. you know, yeah, it was it was very awkward. I actually really had to go to the bathroom, and I was like, I am not going to get up and walk to the bathroom because I'm going to look like I'm leaving too. And I just felt like it was a little bit awkward. But it was like people, of, you know, it was like Titanic. Was yeah, they're on, running you know? like, out there. Well, and to be fair, if they had to run to catch the ferry, <laughs> well, that's the thing is you can't even really be mad about it because it's valid. You know, they yeah. they took longer than they were supposed to. You don't want to be stranded on that island. Um, especially with that, uh, the vibe, you know, crying and sitting in circles and really feeling your feelings. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm sure there's people that are. Uh, yeah. I well, would, some people I would really loved out. it. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, no, there wasn't a lot of you know crying and sitting in circles at the actual event. That was oh. the night before, and then the next day there was also um, a workshop they did, which I did not attend, but it was that was a workshop. you missed out. I, yeah, I was, I was. I was good. I'd had enough feelings. Yeah. Well, that sounds out. that sounds like a good trip overall. Very eventful. Um, I'm glad the ecstatic dancing turned out well. Yeah. So, and what I learned about it is that I guess there are places that you can go and do ecstatic dancing, like at all times of the day, because since it doesn't involve wow. alcohol or anything, yeah. I mean, it's kind of just like a morning workout and people meet up and do this ecstatic dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of cool. But the other th- the one thing that I did get out of it, and that was my share in the circle afterwards, because I wasn't, you know, crying. And so do you have, you have to go like person to person and share what you got out of well, it? Well, they did at this, yes. Jeez, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a bit much. That is a bit, that's not even like optional. It's just, oh, no, it it's like fun. summer camp and I'm 50. <laughs> grade and I'm uncomfortable going through icebreakers introducing myself. Yeah, well, so the, the, yeah, I wasn't going to get into the, you know, oh, and it reminded me of this trauma from, yeah, I didn't, I didn't when, go there. But what I did say was that, you know, it kind of reminded me how much energy music can give you. And so in the mornings when I get up and I'm getting ready for um, my day, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times I will uh, be, ha- be listening to a podcast or maybe have some news on in the background. I was like, you know, maybe I should put on music because it yeah. really is kind of energizing. And so the next morning I did, I played music as I was getting ready and I'm like, so that, that's actually a good thing. I mean, yeah. kind of getting back to that um that idea so that was that was my big share well that's good i mean as long as you can kind of get something positive as out of it and it affects your day i mean it was very i mean honestly the whole thing was really fun i met some fabulous women um saw some that i hadn't seen since the last one which was in february in palm springs so it was a great overall experience like i said in maine we were in this beautiful place called portland maine um really small kind of historic town got to do a little tour there fabulous trip over you know and and honestly even with kind of the the the, the um 
<laughs> the speakers being interesting. I mean, it was kind of a plus, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you see a fabulous speaker and you're so inspired. And you're like, wow, that was great, period. I mean, we like laughed and screamed and, you know, recounted it yeah. and, and, and really enjoyed it. So I think that, that was good. a silver lining. Yeah, it sounds yeah. eventful. And I think from the outside, people may think it's a very calm and, and you know, maybe even boring event. But oh, no. Yeah, exactly. When, it, when, you, when you hear about it, the specifics and the, the speakers and the uniqueness, it's definitely yeah. far from, from it. Yeah, it was good stuff. But what about you? I don't even know what's been happening with you for a <sighs> not, week. Not much. Not much has been going on, honestly. Um, what did I do this weekend? I don't think I did anything. I think I just, we went out and got food. Um, we've been kind of like doing a regimen of every Friday. Like she gets off work and uh, like I said, we gorge ourselves. We just eat a ton <laughs> of food as much as we can. We go out to like new places kind of every week or try to do something special, almost like a date night. Uh-huh. Uh, but we switch off on it. And so this most recent one, we went to Korean barbecue. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. It was killer. Um, and then there's one day that I went to the grocery store and she wasn't with me. And I've been eyeballing this cake. Do you remember the strawberry shortcake popsicles, like ice cream? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw one that was a full cake of it, of strawberry shortcake. Like a frozen one. Like a frozen ice cream cake. Oh, my God. But it was like the same type of ice Uh cream and and outside as a strawberry shortcake. that crunchy stuff on the outside. Exactly. Like I think everyone can agree that's like the best ice cream bar from childhood. Arguably, yeah, I like chocolate stuff, so I'm I sorry. even liking chocolate stuff. That's just, it's just so good. Anyways, I we right. walk past it every week, and every week I'm like, oh, can we get it? I want that. No, 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 no. That's irresponsible. Can't do it. You know. Oh, what's irresponsible about it? Well, I think it's because it was like twenty five bucks, something like that, and like you can just get a popsicle, and it's just like, are we really gonna eat all that cake? It isn't necessary. I don't know. All I don't right. know. Anyways, I snuck away one day um, and snatched up. Uh, that cake and it's been fantastic and then she even admitted christine was like you know what i was uh i'm, I'm kind of happy you went out and got this <laughs> well it, it, it's is it like a frozen thing yeah it's oh, a, it's, so without you can keep it in the freezer i mean it's not like you have to eat the whole thing one night it's that's not what i'm go saying bad. well i'm just i'm, I'm kind of irresponsible um i will just slam slam uh sweets if it's around i mean oh, i don't okay. have good self-control when it comes to that but yeah, I'm in pretty pretty chillax weekend overall. I've been looking forward to this show. Uh, our last show got a ton of attention. I mean, we're we're kind of oh, yeah. killing it on Facebook. Um, 30, 40k views on some of our shorts. I didn't even realize it. Not even just last show, just previous shows in general. You know, Fernie's been absolutely killing it, making these shorts, putting on TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, all of it. Um, and, and they've been doing a lot better than I kind of thought they would and this early on at least. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm always surprised too, that that many people actually look at it. And then I'm also surprised at how many people comment on it and, you know, I mean, good and bad and controversial and argumentative. And I always think it's funny when they get into arguments with each other. I mean, sometimes I will respond if they want some additional information or if they're questioning something and I can provide a, a, you know, a site to a, a study or, article or something along those lines but sometimes they're just back and forth at each other and i'm like oh okay i don't even need to sometimes it's just mindless comments like someone just like there's some i just don't even understand the comments just completely out there there's one woman that posted i think she made like eight or nine comments of like different links to stuff and then i went to our youtube channel and she went to our youtube channel and posted the same links eight or nine (laughs) times and i was like i I love this thank god there's a lot of work (laughs) well it's a lot of work and it's helping us with the algorithm we're just getting more comments it's it's how you know, more interaction. That's what people love. And that's what makes it pop up. So good or bad. I mean, I think it's in the end, good. All 
Yeah, feel free. Comment. Call me names. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Call me an idiot. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) a few of those too. Yeah, which which is just funny too because I always think, I I mean it's not like these are my personal opinions or personal. uh, I mean I'm talking about cases that have been filed. I'm reporting about it. I'm talking about studies. Yeah. Um. You know that sort of thing, but um. That's all right if you think it's, you know. I mean, some people act like we just like walked in their house and took a shit in their living room. <laughs> They're so upset with like a single reporting on a, on a study or something like that. But hey, we'll, we'll be here. We'll always be here giving you the facts, the cold hard facts. Maybe you don't want to hear it. Maybe you don't want to hear it. Maybe we got a shit in your living room a few times. We'll do what we have to do. Oh, exactly. Uh, well, enough with with those vulgar <laughs> terms. Uh, vulgarity. Yeah, we should hop into topics. Um, updates on cases. All right. Um, a lot of updates on cases. Um, one of them is uh, with regard to Johnson & Johnson and the talc that we've been talking about a lot over a number of episodes. And of mm-hmm. course, that's an ongoing um, situation. And this one was just interesting because um, LTL, the division of J&J, that was designated to take all of the liabilities um, from the talc cases is now suing a doctor. Well, actually, they were they're suing multiple doctors who have written um, articles, done studies that have shown that the talc containing mesothelia or that the talc containing asbestos can cause mesothelioma. So they don't like these studies, so they're suing the doctors, which is like, it's just a big bully There, I mean, there has to be some type of grounds there, right? I mean, that would be kind of against like freedom of speech of trying to silence and threaten. Exactly. And so the the, the update is just that that, um, one of the doctors has just filed a motion to dismiss. We'll see what happens. But but saying that, you know, their grounds are, they're saying um, fraud and libel. um, And she's saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, I am. This is protected speech, and I have. And in the first of all, the art, the article is not just you know self published or something. It's published in peer reviewed mm. journals, and so that's very important. When doctors do these studies and write these articles, mm-hmm. um, they submit them to the various medical journals. And what peer reviewed means is that they don't just publish anything that comes yeah. in the mail to them. They have peers, other people who are experts in that area, review them mm-hmm. and decide if they are worthy of being published. So again, this is not something where she's just, you know, some kook. <laughs> <laughs> posting on her blog site that no one is looking at or no one's reviewing. <laughs> or, po- or posting on our YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> commenting eight <laughs> times. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is, you know, it's a study. And, and when you do these studies, you, you disclose um, all of, you know, the, 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 the way that you've you've done it, um, any biases that you might have. So um, it, I just think it's really ridiculous that that they're trying to do this. And and but I mean it can work too because I mean if 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 doctors know that they're going to you know get harassed and oh, sued and like this, yeah. I mean it's going to dissuade them from mm-hmm. coming from coming out against a company like this. No. So my guess is that this is going to get dismissed. Um, but you know, it's just another, you know, BS move if you ask me from Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, I've been watching suits a lot. I mentioned this in a previous show and there's a lot of scenes of like just straight up intimidation of either other lawyers or especially victims of cases and people filing cases, defendants, um, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah victims of cases. But is there other cases that you can think of or situations where something like this has happened or 
um, is there some type of big case where there was intimidation or where there, there was kind of a scare factor that made people take a step back and say, okay, this is a problem that we need to keep an eye out for? Well, the, the, it, it's very widespread. Yeah. And lots of people are hesitant to bring cases because they're worried that they're going to get attacked. And doctors who are treating patients oftentimes are worried about getting involved again. They're going to get attacked. Um, by who, though? Like what Well, by the defense attorney. Okay. Um, in you know anything that they can find in their background to try mm. to embarrass or discredit them, yeah. um, but probably the biggest example of this that I can think of is 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 why the rape shield laws came about was because when people were um, were sexually assaulted or raped, mm-hmm. they didn't want to prosecute the cases. Be- they didn't want to have to testify because oh. the defense or, or in that case, well, yeah, the defense attorney um, would was able to bring up their sexual history, the clothes they were wearing all of these things and basically attacked the victim. Mm -hmm. And so it was so widespread and you couldn't prosecute rape cases as a result that they had to actually enact laws to protect victims in those circumstances and to make it more safe, more comfortable for them to testify so that the perpetrators could be prosecuted and jailed and all of that. So what did they do? Is it so there's no cross-examination or well, there, they don't it, have to testify? Well, and, I, it, and I'm not a criminal attorney, and so I've never been involved in one of those cases, so I don't know all of the details, but it's very they can't talk about sexual history and mm-hmm. things along those lines. Okay. Um, so I don't know all the details, but it is very protective um, in some of the ways that they were just abusing it in the past or yeah. no longer allowed. Okay. So that's... That would be like probably the best example that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and, and what you do prior to trial, you know, if you have a client who has some things in their background that you don't think are relevant to the case and you don't want to be brought out, that's something that you would address in a pretrial motion with the judge to exclude, exclude yeah. to ex- and so to, to upfront say, you know, that you cannot ask these questions and have yeah. the judge say that, you know, this area is off limits. So, um, you know, and a lot of those pretrial motions make a big difference in, in what happens and whether people even want to move forward. Yeah. I think it was, um, and when I was watching the OJ case, there was a lot of pretrial motions of excluding certain information mm-hmm. that was like just game changing and like right. threw the prosecution off a ton. Um, and it's a it's a big point of people, like you said, it can sway case massively if you're not able to bring up either specific evidence or even mention an entire topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would assume with these large corporations as well, and um, they have so much money on the line that it's especially risky um, to kind of come up and especially be one of the first people to come up and say there's something wrong or they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so and you, you you become the victim then. So and, and I think that a, a case like this, I mean, it's it, it's very important what happens and hopefully the judge will dismiss it and, and potentially even sanction the other side for bringing this type of a case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, but, but, but something that needs to happen, they need to be kind of slammed on that to dissuade companies from doing it in the future and to, um, you know, not kind of chill doctors from, from getting involved in these cases. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And so when, how long will that take? You know, when, when can we expect to hear a decision on this? Do these type of uh, cases go a little bit quicker or are they the same as, as others kind of? 
Well, I, I, it's not, it wouldn't be as long. I mean, a libel case would not likely be as long as like, you know, say a towel case yeah, or some, course, yeah. something along those lines. But this is just the motion to dismiss the case. Okay. So um, that should be heard relatively soon. Okay. So we'll definitely update and yeah. and let everybody know. Um, hopefully J&J is going to get slapped around a, bit, a little bit a little bit again. Yeah. They, they can use it. I'm curious to see how this turns out because I think if it did go in their favor, J&J's favor, then it would kind of set a dangerous precedent. And in a lot of other uh, businesses would, would mm-hmm. kind of take that path. Yeah, it, it certainly, well, kind of like with the Texas two-step, they did it and everybody else was like, yeah. oh, that sounds like a good idea. We're going to do it too. Um, but even if, so this is just an initial motion saying this case should not be allowed to be brought at all. Even if it's not dismissed, there is still a very good likelihood that ultimately the, the, the doctor will win yeah. and they will not be successful. But get it kind of nipping it in the bud here, kind of just knocking it out at the, at the, at the very beginning. That would be ideal and certainly yeah. save, save them a lot of money and time. Or I was going to say, even if it doesn't, if it doesn't get nipped at a bud, but nipped at the bud, but the doctor still wins. I mean, that's still kind of a win for J&J because it, people don't want to deal with that. People don't want to exactly. be served and go through all those steps. And it is another thing, even if, you know, you know you're going to win it's another thing to consider and it kind of adds that fear factor well and then the question whether you have insurance that's going to cover your defense because it's not a malpractice case per se and depending on what type of coverage she has she might be paying out of pocket for a defense attorney so that could be very expensive so so yeah i'm i'm very hopeful that that this is not going to fly so we'll keep an eye on that one um other what, what other updates on cases do we have Lots. Actually, we're mostly updating today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's good. I was going to say, too, is we've been having this show for quite a while. I think we recently passed 20 episodes. We're at 23. 23. That's insane. 23 weeks of shows um, keep staying consistent. But that just means we have so many cases that we've been talking about, ones that we handle, ones that we don't handle, a whole mix of it, and we always want to give updates. So it makes sense that we kind of have um, a busier schedule today with the updates. Well, that and also that uh, since I was traveling, I didn't spend... <laughs> a lot of time preparing other than little brief things, so works out. <laughs> it does well, and it, this is really some really good information. Some a lot of things have been happening, um, and and uh, the next one we're talking about involves the Camp Lejeune litigation, and that's one that's been in the news a lot. Uh, and that involves the water contamination at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, um, a naval base. And anybody who was stationed there anywhere from 1953 through 1987 potentially wow. was exposed to these chemicals that are cause, cause some really horrendous diseases. Um, and probably a lot of people have heard about this. There were a ton of, ton of litigation go, or a ton of advertising mm-hmm. um, for these cases. Um, and the, so and this, this is a situation where this exposure happened um, as far back as the 1950s, as as, as I mentioned, um, and so potentially people's claims would um, have expired. The statute would have run. But the Camp Lejeune Act was passed last year, mm-hmm. which opened the window and said anybody who was exposed could had a two-year window um, to file. So it's been about a year now, but there is still another year for people to make claims. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been about 93,000 claims filed to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people affected and some, you know, really bad diseases. But what um, the update is that they have made it much easier to bring claims for certain conditions. And that is because there has there's substantial evidence that that certain of these contaminants caused certain conditions. Where if you have one of the, these conditions, um, basically you don't have to go through all of the hassle of 
of proving yeah. the relationship. Um, <clears throat> and those conditions, the ones where they're saying that there's substantial evidence are kidney, liver, and bladder cancer, as well as leukemia and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Jeez, so those if, are awful. They're ones. horrible conditions. But yeah. so so if, if those are the conditions that you suffered and you were at Camp Lejeune during the appropriate time frames, um, they are going to start making offers. Wow. Yeah, so you're not going to have to go through this whole big... A lot of people, I think, maybe haven't reached out to attorneys or pursued these because it sounds like a big hassle. But if you have one of these, the they're saying that the offers will either be four hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred thousand, or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! And so straightforward, they're going to be making the offers. Okay. Then there's another group of conditions where they've established possible evidence of causation, and those are multiple myeloma, Parkinson's kidney disease, and systemic sclerosis. So if you have one of those conditions, they're offering 400000 250000 or 100000 And then if, if it's a death claim, they would add an additional 100000 onto the offers that we've already talked about. Mm. So, you know, and again, people, there are just a huge list of conditions that potentially could have been caused by these chemicals, mm-hmm. but some of them are going to be a little bit more complicated and, and yeah. looking at other possible causes, comorbidities. So it'll be a little more complicated, but these, they're going to straight up start making offers. Wow. Um, and they're saying that these, um, well, and any, any lawsuits are probably going to happen in 2024, but these would be streamlined um, and uh, again, pretty quick and easy. And so if anybody has been hesitant to um, get involved in the litigation, there is still time. Mm -hmm. But again, and we talk about the statute of limitations things all the time. Um, But, you know, again, we're about halfway through that window being opened. Um, So time is of the essence. And, um, you know, if you were stationed there, it's very, and and you want to to, uh, make a claim, you need to do it sooner rather than later. And again, you know, yes, there's, say, a year left, but um, you do have to get in at least some medical records and documentation Mm -hmm. um, that you have been diagnosed with these conditions. And it's really interesting. They're kind of already setting out these, just setting up these settlements so early on. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, if people, those are some serious, serious diseases. Yeah. And one of the most common ones that in my head are Parkinson's. I mean, I feel like that's something that is really common. Um, and so if anyone has that, definitely reach out. But I feel like even if you don't have those specific ones, if you were stationed in Camp Lejeune, you should be reaching out anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you still can make a claim. It's just, you know, it's not going to be the, the quick and easy, yeah. the quick and easy one. And, but this is really an update. This just, just came out September 6th. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, previously everybody thought all of the cases were going to have to go through the full process. Mm-hmm. That's not the case now. Um, and that's a, a decent number of, of cases. Yeah. So, or of conditions. How, how often does this happen? Because I, I feel like this is pretty unique where they kind of just almost throw their hands up and they're like, okay, these are like some serious, serious ones. You know, we know enough information, whether it's kind of out there, that there's probably a good chance of it's connected. Let's just get this off our books and just start handing out the, the money early on. I mean, is that something that's common? Um, what, what do the attorneys think about this? I mean, I think this almost helps their other cases as well, even if you don't have this condition. Well, it's, it's not common. Common and partly because we're not dealing with a big corporate pharmaceutical defendant, we're dealing with the Department of Navy and the oh, Department of Justice. So these okay. are governmental claims. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's I think a, a big part of of the difference. 
So because it's a governmental agency and we're they're setting up a claim against them, then they're going to be a little bit more lax or a, lot, a little bit more understanding and kind of just want to get this. Well, I, I think that they've recognized that this this was a problem. There's no question about it. They yeah. did expose these service members and their the members of their families. Wow. Um, they are aware of it. And they, you know, pursuant to this act, that is, this is a way to try to make that right. Well, never make it right, but to compensate the people who have suffered as a result. And so it's, um, you know, it's, it's, they know, I mean, it's, they're not disputing liability. They're not disputing that this, um, you know, that these, these uh, chemicals were there and, and the people were exposed to them. Um, but previously the time would have run out to make the claim. Now they've opened the window intentionally to compensate them. So they're saying, yes, we're going to compensate them. But, uh, you know, in any of these situations, there are the people who are going to try to jump in and say, oh, well, I was there and I I have a hangnail and it's related to this. I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but I mean, there there are always people who will try to take advantage of things. Um, And so they do need to ensure that, yes, the person actually was stationed there. um, And then, yes, they do have a condition that would fall within the purview of mm-hmm. the, you know, what, what can result from these chemicals. So there, I mean, there needs to be some, some, you know, you know, some, some review of these claims, but. And is there punitive damage if it's against a governmental agency? And if so, how does that work? Because you mentioned that if those conditions have amounts attached to them, but if those conditions caused a death, then it's an extra hundred thousand, which seems kind of low for a death uh, to throw it on top. And it sounds like there isn't much punitive damage there, but. Well, in this kind of context, there's no punitive damages. I mean, basically, it, it's they're admitting that this is this that uh, you know that they've caused the problem and they're going to compensate them, but it does not incorporate any kind of punitive aspect. Yeah. Um, the hundred thousand is and 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 it, it's not significantly more, but you know, say you know if you normally would have had a four hundred fifty thousand dollar, then another hundred thousand. Sometimes the cases where somebody is still has survived. The expenses to take care of them are significant enough, and the pain and suffering that they're undergoing make the the settlement award higher than if they've passed away. Then you're now yeah. you're now then giving the, the the money to the survivors for the loss of the relationship, yeah. which can be huge. Um, but again, then but you know, of course, it always depends on who the survivors are and what the relationships were. Cause yeah. I mean, I've seen cases where, I mean, I've had clients where they, they were estranged, they had no relationship and now they want to collect money because the person's passed away. What do you even do in that situation? I mean, how do you make that decision? Is there, well, I don't take that case. It's a crappy case. I mean, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but I had a case and it was a ridiculous situation where uh, the, this uh, woman had died and her daughter wanted to make a claim for her death. The woman was living at a nursing home. And the nursing home staff had alerted me at one point. They were like, you know, she had abused her mother this whole time. When she lived with her, she would just, like, put her in her wheelchair out in the parking lot of Walmart, which Jesus was next door. Christ. Anyway, and, and they, they, she totally abused her. Yeah. Um, and when I found out all of – and there were multiple APS, Adult Protective Service, complaints against her. Um, and then the mother dies in the nursing home, and she wants to collect money. And when I found – I found this out. I was like, this is not sympathetic. And this is exactly where the defense attorney is going to bring this up and yeah. say, what is the value of this relationship? Um, and I actually told her, I, I can't represent you. I'm sorry. 
want to decline the representation. And she actually filed a bar complaint against me because I didn't take her case. <laughs> wow. Because I reviewed her case and turned yeah. it down. And, you know, of course, that got dismissed immediately because you don't have to take somebody's case. Yeah. And certainly that's not a case that you want to take when you're going to invest your time and your money. And the, and the damages are... And you're never, I mean, you're never obligated to take a case. No. Private practice, especially. I mean, and even in public defense, I feel like you can still kind of opt out at times. Um, Yeah. I mean, a private attorney, no, I mean, I always remember from the the bar review course, I always said, an attorney is not a bus. You can't just pay your fare and get on. You know, you can say no. Yeah. What is, has there been cases where you've had a client um, that, you know, has a big case, they end up dying or they end up dying, you know, either during the settlement process soon after, and then, uh, family members, maybe estranged family members kind of find out about it, find out that there's money coming their way, coming towards the family, and then they look, go to collect. Well, yeah. And so, you know, when you have a wrongful death case, you have to find all of the potential claimants. And so I have had situations where there were several children or maybe say a spouse and several children, and then some children, you know, maybe another child was estranged. Um, But you have to, you can't settle the case without including all of them, but they may, and and oftentimes they'll have different attorneys as well. Hmm. Um, And, you know, and and the value of the claims are not identical. I mean, you know, if you have several kids, one kid's just a a dick and hasn't done anything for you. I was going to say, so so their relationship is kind of what determines the amount and percentage that they get. Right. Because it's, because a wrongful death is for the loss of their relationship. Uh, And so it depends what's the value of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how is that, is that determined by the, like you and the other attorneys or is that? Well, it'd be determined by a jury if you get to trial. Yeah. I mean, in settlement, you make your arguments Uh um, about that. And sometimes people agree to a, an unequal division. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, It it can get ugly. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I think any family issues can kind of get a little (laughs) sticky. That's for sure. That's for sure. You throw a few hundred thousand dollars in there, it's going to make it even more complicated. Yeah. Um, getting so. back on topic, though. So Camp Lejeune, if you have any of those conditions, definitely reach out because the process is going to be a lot f- quicker and it's going to be expedited. Um, but if you're even stationed there at any time during, what was the year range again? It was 1953-1987. I think it was 87. 86. I think it was 87. 1953-1987. 87, yeah. So if you're stationed there um, at all, I feel like it's just important to reach out because there might be conditions or uh, health problems that you've had that you just thought were normal and they end up somehow being connected to c
uh, entities, some companies, you know, the manufacturers of these yeah. pillows who are, are are certainly fighting it. Um, but I think it's, uh, I, I mean, I think it does need to move forward. And here, here's an opinion, so go ahead and attack me for <laughs> it. But, um, you know, when you're looking at all of these babies um, dying, 162 babies that we know about um, have died. Yeah. And these things are, are, are everywhere. So um, let's make them safer. And so are they taking them off the market until this is being decided? Or no. People, so they can continue selling it while yeah. they, they figure out how yes. to improve the build. So, exactly. So these regu- regulations are not in effect, yeah. but they potentially will be. And the real issue is they're going to make them firmer so they're not as cushy. And then they're going to make that, that horseshoe shape open wider so that it's less likely that the baby's heads will get restricted, will get stuck in there. Um, and again, when it's too soft, you know, a baby's face can kind of yeah. meld into it if it's firmer. And then also if it's just firmer, um, you're not thinking it's a sleeping thing. You're going to leave your baby on. Imagine like fluffy too. Like if it's like fluffy and has yeah. like the, the, you know, fur, I don't know what to call it, the soft fur. Uh, yeah. That would, that would make yeah. a big change. Well, and the labels, I mean, they have to have big and clear labels reminding people don't let your baby sleep on this. Yeah. So, um, so, so that's a, a positive in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that is that is good. Um, hopefully, they they kind of figure that out. I mean, it's unfortunate that they can continue selling um, these these nursing pillows when there's clearly issues that have been recognized and they're working on trying to figure it out. But there's been a ton of deaths already. Uh, I mean, God forbid there be more deaths until they actually start, um, you know, implementing these regulations. Uh, but yeah, I mean, good, solid, solid update there. Uh, hopefully, you know, we hear more. Hopefully, it's a lot faster. I know you mentioned a few months, maybe in a few yeah. years. Yeah, the sooner the better. And you know, and of course, there's they're they're out there on the you know they're out there floating around, millions of them. So yeah. especially on resale sites. I mean, I know for for babies and and newborns. I mean, that's really common since yeah. they just grow up so damn fast. Yep. Yep. Uh, what else you got for us? Well, um, let's jump into a um, update that also involves a case that we are actively pursuing, just based on our timing here, and that is the Philips um, CPAP recall. So yes. the CPAP um, machines, um, and we have talked about that in detail, and we'll kind of do a little little bit of a refresh. But the um, the update is that there has been an economic losses deal. Um, set up. Um, and so what this is, is it's, and it's not confirmed by the court yet, but presumably it will be. And so this is a, it was a class action and it does not involve the, uh, personal injury claims, um, or the medical monitoring. It's simply for like the out-of-pocket expenses of the machines. And so Phillips has agreed to $479 million. Wow. Right. Um, and that because there's about 10.8 million recall devices. And out of that, 445 million is going to the actual users, purchasers of the machines, and then 34 million goes to the health plans that have that have paid for some yeah. of them. So this so. is completely separate from, you know, conditions and, and, and problems that the actual users are having. It is just economic loss, so just the cost of replacing the machine and the money that they use to spend it. Well, or actually even of purchasing it. And so what they're saying is that the users will receive anywhere between $55 and uh, $1,552 per recall device. 
um, depending on which one they had. That's a really big window there, $55. Well, it depends on which device they have because, you know, some of them cost more than others. Um, And then they get an additional $100 per recall device that they actually send back to to Philips. And so this this is completely separate from the actual injury claims. Mm -hmm. And anybody who has these products are eligible. And in a um, class action, normally what happens is everybody is included, but you do have to submit a claim form to get compensated. Um, In this situation, however, um, anybody who's actually enrolled their recalled device devices in the settlement um, or registered them on the recall program online, they are saying that they will automatically receive the payment. So they don't even have to submit a claim form. Wow. Yeah. And so this is something where you don't need an attorney for this aspect of it. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, it's not like attorneys going to take a third of a $55 fee or anything yeah. like that. Um, but it's just, you know, straight out, you should get this if you had these machines. So make sure that you do register on the Philips website. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of calls about this, just trying to get their devices replaced. Um, Danny's taken a lot of those calls. She's been really great about helping people kind of, we have a lot of older clients who are car, older yeah. uh, technical clients, but calling in and kind of helping them through the process of how to do that. Um, but definitely worth doing. And um, you will probably not even have to fill out a claim form. You'll probably just get a payment on that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's big. Easier, the better. Um, I mean, I could imagine forms and all that. It stresses me out. I can't imagine <laughs> having a few extra years on me and, um, you know, going through that process. But money's money, you know, if, yeah. if it seems like it's pretty easy to kind of pursue that. And like you said, people have already been calling. So if they're yeah. unsure, don't know what to do, don't know where to go, then obviously we're open to, to helping out yeah. with that and, and direct them that way. And it is really good, too, is like you said, you don't actually have to have a case. You don't have to have a medical issue. Just having the machine in itself uh, makes you eligible. Right, right, because it, because you need to get the machine replaced, yeah. um, and so it's important to register it anyway, so that you can get into that process, and then you'll also get compensated. So that's just kind of like a little extra added added bonus. And you, they already need the machine, but aren't wasn't there issues with them creating enough machines? Because I mean, they're having to replace millions of these, right? And, yeah. and and they just can't keep up with the demand because every single machine has its has its issue. Yeah. No, I, I mean they're they are way behind. Um and they were being investigated about you know that situation as well and trying to put some pressure on to get them to create these or to to produce these more quickly. Yeah. Um, because in the meantime people are still trying to use them. And in fact I um, and just kind of as a recap, the issue is the um, sound reducing foam, this black foam, mm-hmm. and that can break down and it can be inhaled and get lodged into your lungs. And and the CPAP, it's a machine where if you have sleep apnea, you stop breathing yeah. while you're sleeping. It's the face mask you put on and it kind of makes it so you are forced to breathe. Right, exactly. Keeps you breathing. Um, and then the sound reduction, I mean, I'm assuming that machine's very loud. Uh, yeah, so yeah. if you have a partner that's, you know, doesn't not a big fan of loud noises while they sleep, how crazy, um, <laughs> and you, you use that, then that black foam can kind of break up and deteriorate and then actually get into that Inhaled, air path, yeah. um, which is which is insane because I know you mentioned some of the victims that ha- this had, you know, that had this condition, that had this problem, they actually found pieces of that foam mm-hmm. in their lungs. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just so, it's so crazy to me that it can, first off, you know, happen like that, it deteriorates and then it goes into your lungs, but that it still stays like together, you 
you know, mm-hmm. and, well, like little teeny tiny particles. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, it's scary. I actually um, saw there was a video on YouTube and it was one, uh, uh, an owner of the device who was saying, you know, I can't get this thing replaced. So he was showing people how to remove that um, sound abatement foam from it. And wow. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It shows yeah. exactly like, so just pull it out without breaking it up. And because he was saying he's going to keep using it just without the sound abatement foam until he can get his new one. Yeah, I mean, you got to, right? I mean, I'm imagining it's terrifying to not breathe, you know, wake up from not breathing or having that type of issue. And obviously it can be really extreme. So you need to use the machine. But knowing that, you know, every time you use it, if that foam's in there, especially if it's an older model, if it's been a while, you've been using it for several years, the chances are there's going to be some problems with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely. And and, and really serious conditions, um, you know, just kind of as a, as a, a refresh um, and in these cases, we're still taking these cases. They're still viable cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people may not even realize that the conditions that they have could be related to these machines. Um, and it's a really long list. I mean, some of them like sinus cancer, nasopharynx cancer, but then, you know, um, throat cancer, nasal cancer, lung cancer, the things that you're thinking about, yes, you can see that would yeah. be your airway. But then there's other things like liver cancer, liver disease, multiple myeloma, acute kidney injuries, Jeez. prostate cancer, liver failure. Just ran- prostate, like just random stuff out there that it's Leukemia. It's yeah. I mean, so once this stuff gets into your system and starts circulating, it can cause problems that you wouldn't think would be related to yeah. a breathing machine. So, you know, it's definitely worthwhile talking to somebody. If you've been using this product, going over your medical conditions um, and determining if they are on the list. Yeah. Um, again, these cases are, you know, you can still file the cases. The litigation is ongoing. Um, but, you know, we've had a lot just with the whole earplug uh, litigation that uh, settled and all of a sudden people wanted to get in on it. Um, and they're like angry that they didn't know about it. So here we are reminding, yeah. <laughs> you know, these cases um, don't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a cutoff at some point And, uh, you know, and, poten- you know, and again, it has to do too with when you knew or should have known that the condition was related. So, um, that can, you know, you, there's ways to argue back and forth on that. Yeah. Well, and it, it makes sense too, that there's issues outside of just kind of like the breathing canals that you mentioned, the ones that you would assume would have issues right. because once this chemical gets into your bloodstream, I mean, it can yeah, affect then it's anything, anything and everything yeah. in there. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the CPAP machines, I mean, all of them have this issue, right? Like if you are using a CPAP machine, it's worth reaching out. Well, not a hundred percent of them, but almost all of them. Yes. I think it's like 16 different models. Um, and, uh, you know, more likely than not, it it is one of the more than likely not you're using one that is included in this case. Yeah. 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 And again, um, you certainly can check that out on Philip's website. Um, and you're welcome to call us if that's easier. Um, and we can let you know if, if it is one of the, one of them, but, um, you know, it's very serious, as of, we talked about this, but at the end of the first quarter, they had calculated deaths were up to 385 that they were linking and over 105,000 reports of injuries. And you know that these are just a tip of the iceberg yeah. too, because again, people have no idea that these conditions could be related to this machine. Some people still haven't even heard about it. Yeah. And then the number of people who have a problem and actually report it, there's a big gap there. People yeah. just don't, just don't, don't report it. So, um, you know, if, if you think that you, if you're using the thing, give us a call. We'll be happy to, to help you figure it out. 
Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, I was going to say, too, 385, that seems like a really low number there um, for all of those reasons that you mentioned. But the biggest being, I mean, leukemia, prostate cancer. I mean, some of these things are just you would have absolutely no clue. It makes no sense. Um, but then, you know, hopefully once you start hearing information and, and uh, hearing about kind of the risks of these CPAP machines and what, what could happen, then hopefully that kind of makes a connection yeah. uh, for a lot of people. And then, you know, as more people start reaching out, that number starts going up and um i mean those those conditions that you mentioned too those are those are fatal ones i mean those are eventually that's going to lead to um death or you know regardless just very difficult times yeah yeah well that's a good update uh i think that case is really interesting just because of kind of the mass scale of it i mean let alone if you're using a cpap machine i mean i know sleep apnea uh burt kreischer I mentioned him last time, Bert Kreischer. Yeah. He, know, I knows he uses the CPAP machine. He has a great podcast, Two Bears in a Cave. He's a comedian. <laughs> he had a movie, The Machine, which I didn't see, but heard it was good. Um, and he talks about having a CPAP machine. He's a big guy. Um, and yeah. I know that's really common. A lot of big people, mm-hmm. you know, have CPAP yeah. machines. Um, and the fact that it, more likely than not, if you are using one, it's going to be one of these models is, is terrifying. Yeah. Um, we are kind of coming to a close here on the show. Was there any topics that you wanted to to cover and make sure that we kind of spend some time on? Well, maybe just a couple quick uh, what was this, of the stories in the news. One that I've seen a lot. I don't know if you've seen this, um, uh, the, the, the one chip challenge. Oh, yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah. So I had not heard about it until, of course, it became a lawsuit because a teenager died. I think I heard about this. Too. Right, right. And so this is this Pocky chip. Yeah. So it is essentially, it's a one chip challenge, which it's supposed to be, um, it's, you get a, you buy a box and it has a single chip in it. It looks like a Dorito. It's a big yeah. chip though. And it is literally black. It is black with powder and it's supposed to be just insanely spicy. Yeah. Well, so th- it's just happened, and I, and the two chilies I hadn't heard of these, but it's Carolina Reaper and Scorpion chili peppers, and I guess these are the two hottest ones that are on there. Um, and and it's not. There's nothing been proven that the death was for sure as a result, but it involved a 14 year old boy in Massachusetts, um, and he ate this. Uh, I guess he was at school at the time. Went to the school health um, uh, to the nurse. And they sent him home rather than calling um, the hospital. And then he was found unconscious shortly thereafter and died. So, you know, I don't, there's no indication that the autopsy report has been released yet. Um, And so we don't know if it's... Seems like a little bit of a stretch to immediately kind of blame it on the chip here. I mean, uh, all right... And it makes sense for them not to call the ambulance. I mean, like I said, right, your, your first guess isn't going to be like, okay, he ate a chip. He's, his life he's is at risk but here. Yeah. You know, he's miserable, exactly, but his life isn't at risk. Um, and then he's found unconscious, and there's no, you know, there's no autopsy. There's no direct connection yet. Had the parents picked him up and found him unconscious at home, or did they just, like, leave him on the, the bed in the infirmary? Uh, no, well, he was home, and then the brother found him passed out. He was taken to the hospital and then pronounced dead. Wow. So, yeah, not a whole lot of details yet. Um, I'm sure that more will be coming out once there's an autopsy and there's some indication as to whether this was actually related or not. But it's def- it's definitely getting a lot of attention because it's been so popular. And I guess they do warn that um, that it shouldn't be, that children should not have access to it. Yeah. You know, some people can have allergies or sensitivities to spicy foods. Um, 
I mean, I would think you would have some idea about about that. Yeah, I mean, and it, this has been really big. I mean, this has been big for a while. Just pretty much any influencer or YouTuber, I'm sure, has done this type of challenge. It's like the cinnamon challenge, if you remember yeah, that back yeah. in the day. Well, you haven't done it, have you? No. Oh, no, no, no. I, I never understood challenges. Like, why would I put myself through that for, for what? Like, I, said, I, don't, I don't have anything so to prove. Can, well, but you could put the video on and hopefully go viral uh, with may, your reaction. Okay, maybe we both eat one for the podcast <laughs> and try to do a full podcast right after we eat one. Then it makes sense. Then at least, you know, someone gets some enjoyment out of it. But if you look up One Chip Challenge, there's already thousands thousands of people all over yeah. YouTube that have that have done that. Well, I started looking at it and then some of them were just kind of dumb. I mean, they're, you know, and it's just I guess how long you can wait before you, you know, eat or drink something to yeah. help dull to help dull it. Um, but you know, it kind of reminded me um, that I, this is some some bad parenting on my part. But I don't know if you remember when we used to like do the chicken wings, and I always really loved super spicy chicken wings. And then yeah. you know, and you were just this sweet little boy, and you wanted to like try to keep up with me and impress <laughs> me that you could have chicken wings as hot as I did. And sometimes your face was just <laughs> in pain. <laughs> yeah, my dad always tells me that he would uh, I would be a baby, and like you know, he's Mexican, so he makes a lot of spicy food, and he would just like put a jalapeno, like a slice of jalapeno, in my mouth before I. Could even talk and i would just i'd be like not trying try to, to build up your uh, tolerance yeah, yeah yeah well i'll just say that he didn't tell me he was doing that i'm not i, I don't not know if he really did but he always makes that joke but one of my first solid foods was jalapenos all right. Well, and you do like spicy food. I do. I do. And I don't know why Christina likes to tell people I don't like spicy food. Really? That's just absolutely absurd. I love spicy food. What I don't like is if it's so spicy that it's like really uncomfortable. I like to enjoy my food. Like, for example, right. Buffalo Wild Wings, a lot of those wing places have like the spicy wing challenge where it's yeah. just like you can't, you don't even, it's not flavorful. It's not flavorful at all. It's just spicy. And you don't even get to enjoy the wing or the food at all. It's just pain. And I don't I don't like that. Yeah. I can do it, of course, but why do it, you know? I, 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 yeah, see, I used, to, I used to kind of feel like I needed to prove something. And, 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 you know, and I really did like, I was like, oh, if it doesn't make you sweat, it's not worth eating, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, the, now, I, now I've, you're, you're right. I mean, the, I want the food to taste good. So. And sometimes adding a little spice does add flavor. Oh, yeah. You need some spice. You yeah. just don't need to. Well, so quickly, and we're going to skip the question because I have to, because since we talked about that, we have to talk about the Dragon Balls. Okay. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So, um, and this involves a um, Thai restaurant in the San Francisco Bay Area. And this was actually a lawsuit that was filed by a woman who went to the restaurant and she ordered an appetizer called Dragon Balls, yeah. which I think might be a hint just right there. It's a little bit of a warning, maybe, I just think, in the name. Yeah. Maybe they're a Dragon Ball Z fan, too. Oh, that's true. But it still, it sounds spicy, and I guess their description was a true revolution of your senses. Fireworks light up your mouth from our traditional menu that puts the true Thai back in command of Thai food. Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, so she had, the, she had the Dragon Balls, and she said that they were so sp spicy that she had burns on her vocal cords, esophagus, and nose. Jesus Christ. Right. And so she filed a lawsuit saying they were unfit for human consumption, and she wasn't warned. Uh, of course, the restaurant is saying, well, actually, we did warn you. We called them Dragon Balls. We advertised it as spicy. Um, burn, like, I mean, is this like a temperature burn? Is this a spice? I, I can't even imagine spicy food actually burning you. Well, I think you could. You could. It could blister and burn. Really? The direct contact, yeah. So she yeah. said the roof of her mouth, White. her tongue, her throat. Um, White people, am I right? Come on. A little jalapenos, you should be good. Well, I don't know. Her name is Harjas 
Or Jocelyn Walla. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. So anyway, um, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. But it actually sounds delicious. They described it, and it was spicy chicken fried with mint, shallot, green onion, cilantro, and kaffir lime. Oh, I mean, revolution of your senses, fireworks blowing up in my mouth. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I'd order <laughs> that right away. I don't know. I think I'm going to skip the one chip, one chip challenge, but I think I'd like some Dragon Balls. I'm curious how much she ate, too, because, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of burning there. Is it just a single bite, and then all of a sudden all of this happened? Or did she just force down two Dragon Balls because they're so delicious, <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like, holy shit. I'm do you think pain. there's two? Do you think they come in like pairs? Oh, there has to. There has to be. It has to be an even <laughs> number. It has to be an even number. Maybe two Dragon Balls for, you know, one dragon, two dragons. When they, they when they ask you, how many Dragon Balls you want? You want one dragon or two dragons? And for one dragon. <laughs> two per. You, exactly. You get two balls per dragon. <laughs> how many dragons you got at the table? Three people? All right, we'll get you six balls. <laughs> All right. Well, um, for next time I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm gonna make a make an effort to go. And well, hopefully, I out. mean they might have to take it off the menu now. <laughs> Shit, we better hurry. Oh, all right. Well, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of updates and news things. So we'll, we'll um, do some more questions maybe next week. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, touch in on, touch in on that uh, that stuff. You know, it was definitely a really good show. We had a lot of updates. I mean, it was yeah, uh, lots happening. I know that's what happens. I go to town and all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. Shower, Sarah showers not in the office, and this is what happens. <laughs> Insane. Um, but yeah, I think we're coming to a close here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, hanging out with us on prioritizing profit. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, throw it in the comment section, whether you're looking on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, wherever it is, we want to hear from you. Um, and if it's a question or a story or something like that that you don't necessarily want to put out there in the public, you don't want to put it in the comment section, that's completely fine. We understand. we got podcast at showeredlaw.com. You can throw anything in there. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a question. You know, I, I definitely want to see if, if people have like some stories or experiences that they want to share because I think that can be really impactful for listeners to kind of hear what other people went through. And um, obviously, it's one thing for us to talk about these cases, but it's a completely other when you hear from someone that's actually been experiencing mm-hmm, definitely. it. Victims of the cases. Um, but again, thank you for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, same time, uh, same show with some new updates and some new cases. Sounds good. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing, prioritizing, prioritizing dangerous pro- drug and product cases.